Our streamlined pro-business approach helps you achieve more by putting less between you and future success. Less red tape, lower taxes, less distance separating you from the tech leaders of tomorrow. This innovative ecosystem will supply your business with tools and resources to compete in the 21st century and beyond. But your future is more than just business success. In Arizona, the lifestyle you want is at your fingertips. Explore cities known for their Southwest heritage and modern vision. Enjoy beautiful scenery and endless outdoor activities on land, water, or snow. And if you're looking for a little friendly competition, we've got plenty of teams to choose from. With constant sunshine, vibrant culture, and natural wonder, Arizona provides a style of living that's entirely unique. People from all over the world call our state home. From student leaders who fill the classrooms of our top-ranked universities to a skilled and abundant workforce that's ready for what's next. To the neighbors, friends, and peers we interact with daily, Arizonans are united by a pioneering spirit that moves us forward. So as you look to the future, know that it's filled with the perfect balance of innovation and high-quality living that makes life better here. Thank you, JDH Insights, for being our 2021 Tech Advocate Sponsor. A leader in coaching and executive development, JDH Insights is committed to helping organizations cultivate and leverage their most important and complex asset, their humans. Visit JDHinsights.com to enhance leadership and improve team dynamics to take your business to the next level. Welcome to AZ TechCast, sponsored by Arizona Technology Council, with your hosts, Steve Zelstra and Karen Nowicki. AZ TechCast is dedicated to covering innovation and technology in Arizona and beyond. Broadcasted monthly, AZ TechCast invites leading experts to have real conversations about what is happening in the tech sector across the state of Arizona. From regional news to innovative startups, companies, and emerging technologies, AZ TechCast covers the critical issues and economic trends propelling the state's growing ecosystem. Welcome to AZ TechCast on Phoenix Business Radio X. I'm your guest host, Carla Morales, Vice President of the Arizona Technology Council. AZ TechCast is dedicated to covering innovation technology in Arizona and beyond. Broadcasted monthly, AZ TechCast invites you invites tech experts to have a real conversation about what's happening in the tech sector across the state and Arizona. AZ TechCast discusses critical issues, topics, and trends propelling the state's growing tech ecosystem. I'd like to thank the Arizona Commerce Authority, AZ TechCast 2021 Innovation Sponsor. The Arizona Commerce Authority is the state's leading economic development organization with a streamlined mission to grow and strengthen Arizona's economy. I'd also like to thank our 2021 tech advocate sponsor, JDH Insights, a leader in coaching and executive development. JDH Insights is committed to helping organizations cultivate and leverage their most important and complex asset, their humans. And with that, 
Let's give a warm welcome to today's guest. First and foremost, let's uh, introduce Alex Veneri, co-founder and CEO of Digital Airstrike. Welcome, Alexi. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today. We also have with us Principal Cybersecurity Architect at Honeywell Aerospace, Heather Monty. Heather, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. And of course, last but not least, we have Yvonne May, Director at Raytheon Missiles and Defense. Yvonne, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. During today's TechCast, these distinguished tech leaders uh, join Arizona Technology Council CEO, Steve Selstra, to discuss their experiences in the tech sector, share their insights in their career paths, lessons learned along the way, and the women who inspired them, and recommended strategies to advance women in the tech from the classroom to the boardroom. We have a lot to ground to cover. Let's allow Steve to introduce himself as well. Hello, everyone. Thank you for being here on uh, Radio X and TechCast. Uh, warm welcome to our uh, members and uh, our guests today. And uh, looking forward to digging deep into women in tech. Perfect. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you, everyone out there, for joining us today at AZ TechCast. Um, let's start by having all of you introduce yourselves and your organizations and tell us how you, um, what your role you play and how you ended up in your space in the tech sector. Uh, once we hear from all of you, we will jump and begin our very important conversation. Alexi, let me start with you. Thank you, Carla. Well, I am a co-founder and CEO of Digital Airstrike, and we provide really innovative consumer engagement technology to about 8,000 businesses nationwide. Um, we started at my kitchen table right here in Scottsdale during the height of the recession, where we really first zoned in on social networks and saw there would be a better way to connect to them leveraging technology so businesses could monetize them and use them really as a, as a great communication channel. Lots changed over the last decade or so, and we've been able to really expand our offering to AI messaging solutions, um, really automating more steps in the sales process. So we're, we're proud to be based here in Arizona, and we do have offices in uh, the Bay Area, in the LA area, and also Tampa now. So it's been exciting. And we employ about 160 wonderful people here uh, in the Scottsdale area. I got started years ago, really on the marketing side, and just fell in love with the idea of digital marketing and that you could really track what was going on. And, and there, it was just a better way to reach you know, other humans out there as the technology evolved. And so through the years, held a number of positions of marketing, overseeing uh, product for tech companies, and even taking some companies public. So, uh, you know, I picked a recession to start a company in technology. <laughs> and uh, we've been actually, you know, thriving during the pandemic, believe it or not. I think our, our very grassroots start prepared us really well for what we're going through right now. And in some ways, consumers are now embracing, obviously, leveraging technology to do business in more ways. And that's actually helped our business. But uh, thank you for having us here. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. First of all, congratulations on your success. And it is difficult to have that process um, during the recession. So I'm sure we're going to be very excited to hear what that process was like for you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Heather, we'll go on with you. Thank you. So um, I am a principal cybersecurity architect at Honeywell. I support our aerospace division. Um, I, it's really kind of an interesting way of how I ended up in this, in this position. So what I do is I, do, I work in product security. I do risk management. So 
Um, when you're on an airplane, you're, you're, you're flying on an airliner and there's in-flight Wi-Fi or you're watching TV on the you know, back, of the, uh, back of the chairs, there's all this software that helps the aircraft run. What I do is I, uh, I work in risk management to make sure that, that we are reducing the level of risk with all the software that's in an airplane. And so I spent uh, nearly 20 years of my career in computer science, IT, and cybersecurity education. Um, I worked in both K-12 and in post-secondary education I, in colleges um, and school systems in Wisconsin, in Maryland, and then most recently here in Arizona. And I absolutely love working in education. I love helping people um, you know, achieve their goals. And, but I'm also a, a commercial pilot, a flight instructor, a drone pilot. I decided at a young age that becoming an airline pilot wasn't necessarily for me. So I, I went to school for computer science and it's, it's very interesting because now, you know, 25 years into my career, I'm able to bring both of my in, uh, things that I love, which are technology and aviation, and bring them together into a career um, at Honeywell where I'm able to, you know, use all the, the knowledge and experience that I've gained in aviation over the last 25 years, but then also um, bring in all the experience that I've had within, within the technology sector and cybersecurity and, and bringing those two things together. So... Um, I'm really enjoying it. I, I absolutely love what I'm doing, and I'm glad to have forums like this to be able to promote what things uh, we're doing and to get more women interested in in these fields. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that, uh, Heather. And I'm incredibly impressed by the resume, the, the short version of your resume that you just provided. I'm so excited to hear more about um, the work that you're doing with K-12 and, and your advocacy for education. That's personal passion of mine. So I'm definitely going to be paying attention to what you're doing and try to replicate it and encourage everybody else to do so as well. Thank you for joining us. Yvonne, love to hear from you. Hi, Carla. So um, I work for Raytheon Missiles and Defense, and I am currently the director for Advanced Air Dominance. And we don't talk too much about what we do, but I can guarantee you that what we do is really cool stuff. And we work in key discriminators and technology. And most of all, what we do is to enable the capabilities that it will defeat our warfighters threat. So for us, it's something that is really to my heart to make sure that we keep our uh, women and men that they are in the services safe and they can come back home. And just to make sure that we give them an unfair advantage. And most of the time, we can do that with technologies. So um, we work those pieces. We are a very agile group. And I am an electrical engineer by trade. So there was not that many women in electrical engineering when I went to it. Because I have been for 23 years at Raytheon. And I have been surrounded always by people in tech development. And right now, so the newest one that we have in the family is my son. So my son just graduated from electrical engineering. So I'm a proud mom. And one of the things that I love to do is to share my passion and the love that I have for creating new technologies, for making sure that we're delivering products and if we can have this opportunity to actually share with other women and girls and make sure that more of us can join and make sure that they can have fun and they can convince others to join us, I am all for it. So thank you for having me today. 
Absolutely. Thank you for being here. And I'm um, I'm excited to hear from you all. And I, I'm a little sad because I don't think an hour is enough to hear from all of you. I think we're going to need much more than that. So we'll definitely have to uh, create more opportunities for you all to join us in similar situations and similar panels. I'm excited to hear from all of you. Uh, Steve, do you want to share with us a little bit of what you do at the Arizona Technology Council? Yeah, thank you. So uh, I'm the president CEO, and I've been at the Tech Council now for 13 and a half years. Um, even before, I've, this is the second Tech Council that I've run. I ran the Pittsburgh Technology Council. So I've been doing this for about 20 years. But I had a, a career in aerospace and defense for 20 years prior to that. Worked for uh, a number of uh, aerospace and defense companies. And in fact, I used to work on the Sidewinder missile at Ford Aerospace, Ron, and Raytheon makes that today. Uh, it made it at the same time that Ford did, but uh, I think you're the only ones making it these days. That's really going to be my first question for you, Yvonne. You know, when I, I when I went to school uh, in engineering, there weren't any women in, in my classes. Uh, it was not a discipline that people, um, you know, per, that women pursued. Uh, tell me a little bit about what inspired you uh, to become an engineer. And uh, same with the rest of you. What inspired you to uh, get into tech? Yvonne? Stephen, you're correct. Uh, when I went to school, and I'm going to date myself, it was, I have been working for Raytheon 23 years. So if you do the math, it was a while back. So there was three of us. And one of the things that I noticed quickly, it was that it was not common that there was that many women there. And the professors, they were all male. So I was seriously a minority and something that it was important for me was to believe in myself, that I would that I can do it, that I was going to finish and I started something. So I was going to do it. But um, for your question to ask why I did it, and it was all about curiosity. I was that little girl that I loved to take things apart. And usually I'll put them back together and I will not use all the parts. So I was sometimes wondering why they had extra parts. But that level of curiosity, and I was extremely visual. So when I went to electrical engineering, it was something that I was not able to see. And I was something that I was not able to understand it. And wanting to learn and to figure out how things work and to make sure that I was growing, it was a great motivator. Um, my dad was a technician and I met a lot of engineers and I had a cousin that was going to engineering school. So it was pretty much, if we can do it, I can do it too. And I am going to prove it. So, and it has been a journey learning. Very cool. Alexi, um, you uh, pursued a, um, a path in marketing, but uh, focused on uh, tech marketing or digital marketing and uh, use a lot of uh, artificial intelligence and so on and what you do. Tell us a little bit about that journey for you. What, what was your inspiration? Absolutely. And before I jump in, speaking of uh, aerospace, I, I happen to be in San Diego today. And due to what's going on with the Russians and the exercises off the coast of Hawaii, there are like fighter jets circling. You're probably going to hear it any minute. So I'm going to warn you guys. So for me, it was all about innovation and creativity. Uh, I was always a very creative marketer, very interested in doing things differently. And technology for me uh, is just the, to innovate and go places people haven't gone before. 
So that's what really inspired me. I was actually, uh, before going into tech, I was director for a major league baseball team. Only woman, youngest director, doing marketing. And I was approached to go to a, a tech startup where we could actually track what advertising was working using um, VoIP technology. And this is many years ago. It was very early stage. And as a marketer, it just was compelling to me to actually be able to get data and leverage tech to really have a better experience for businesses, but also consumers. And then how do I do it differently than anybody else? So, uh, you know, that, that innovation, charting new courses, very, very different. And I've always been in male-dominated fields. Um, my mother died when I was really young. I grew up with all brothers. I went into sports, you know, and that now one of our biggest verticals is automotive uh, and tech. And it's true. There's, there's like hardly any uh, senior executives that are women. I'm one of a very, very small group of executives and CEOs and founders that started a technology company. And I'm still running it successfully, you know, a decade later and growing. So yeah, my, my little peer group seems to be small, but I want that to change. <laughs> it's yeah, exciting to be out with these ladies here. Uh, but I think you have to be one of those, those folks that just loves that innovation and you're curious, as Yvonne said, and you want to, you know, you're okay kind of putting on the blinders and, and charting your own course. Heather, I've known you for some time. I serve on the uh, GCU President's STEM Advisory Board, and uh, you were heading up uh, cyber and computer science at uh, GCU, and you made a pivot, right? Uh, first of all, what inspired you to get into computer science? You tell us a little bit about that earlier, um, but uh, then why the pivot into aerospace? In kindergarten, I lived in a very small town in northern Wisconsin, and we took a field trip to our local airport. There wasn't even any airliners flying there. It was just little tiny two-seat airplanes that flew in there. I immediately fell in love with airplanes. I was five years old. Nobody in my family was you know, a pilot or in aviation or anything like that. And um, if you ask my family, all I could talk about from the ages between about five and still to this, to this day, I can't stop talking about airplanes. Um, so growing up, I always kind of thought that I was going to be an airline pilot. That was always the plan. Um, and so as I was going through like the discovery sessions and that sort of thing in school, um, everybody had always said, you need to be good at math and science to be a pilot, which, yeah, you do, but not necessarily at, at the level that they were making it come across, right? Um, and so I was just I was just really focused. I was like, this is my motivation to do to do well in math and science. Um, in eighth grade, I took a, a, a computer programming summer class um, just to you know try it out, that kind of thing. And I liked it, but I never gave it an, a, a second thought. Um, and then as I became older, um, I was working on all my pilot ratings, and I had made a decision, you know, for various reasons, not to pursue a career as an airline pilot. Um, and I was taking some classes at um, the local community college in uh, computer programming and computer science. What happened was, is I was it was, this is in the early days of the internet. And I was on the internet, didn't really quite understand it just yet. And I stumbled across the National Institute of Health, um, their website. And I was reading all this information, all these research articles, medical journals, that kind of thing. And I thought I broke into something that I wasn't supposed to be in. So I went to the computer lab manager and I said, I think I did this and I don't think I was supposed to do this. And she's like, no, this is the internet. Like you have access to all this really cool information. And I was like, oh, this was like a, a light bulb went off for me that like, this is where the future is going. This is where things are going. I'm going to do this. So I immediately went and had changed my major to, um, to computer science and then um, got my degree in there. 
in that field. So I was working in tech for a little while. I, I really enjoy teaching. I really enjoy working with people. I really enjoy being in the classroom and, and helping people to achieve their goals. And so when I was working in the industry, um, I, you know, I was sitting one job, I was sitting in the basement, hold away in the corner, kind of, it was very stereotypical. Um, and it's just not me. I'm a, I'm a personable person. I like to talk to people and be around people and that kind of stuff. And, um, it just, it, it wasn't fulfilling some, some piece of me. So I, I decided at that point to get a master's degree and a PhD to, to further my career in education. And again, still love it. Like, you know, it, it was, it was a fantastic part of my career. The pivot into aerospace, again, came from, you know, this, this long-standing love of aviation, this long-standing love of airplanes. Um, I'm obsessed with space flight. Like if I, if I had, you know, endless months of cash, I'd be one of the first people to be in, on a commercial space flight. Um, it's just something that I've always been interested in. I'm, I'm very involved in it. I met my husband through aviation. Um, we're, we're an aviation family. So um, I'm just really glad to be, ha- have the skills um, that weren't necessarily needed 25 years ago, this position, this role didn't exist 25 years ago. Um, but that, you know, through various things happening in your life, you kind of reflect back and think if that didn't happen, I wouldn't be in this spot right now. Um, that's kind of what happened here was that, you know, this, this was not, a, this was not something that was a thing, you know, when I was looking at college degrees, you know, in the nineties. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic pivot for me. Very cool. Thank you. I love, Heather, I love to hear your excitement and your motivation. Definitely, I can see the educator in you. I, I love to hear that. Um, one of the things that really stood out to me is that every single one of you talked about your, your trailblazing days of being the only one in the room or the very limited one in the room. I'm curious to see or to hear more about what do you all think could be done to encourage more women to enter in the STEM field? What, and you can talk about this from a personal or organization perspective. But I really want to hear what you think we could do um, in general to really encourage. And I say women, but I really think it starts probably elementary school, high school. But I'd love to hear your input. Alex, if you want to start. Sure. Well, thank you for doing this podcast. I think more distribution, more examples of female role models would be great. Uh, I know one of the, the questions we had is, who's one of your female role models in tech? I didn't have any. Like, at just didn't really exist. So I think the more we can have more exposure for all women in tech would be great. Um, the other thing that we do at Digital Airstrike is we, we actively do try to recruit and bring women into the field, um, even if they've got, I don't want to say limited experience, but there's so many ways you can transition or pivot, as Heather said, into, into tech, right? And to really broaden, broaden that net, I think you cast to bring more people in. We've got um, almost exactly a 50-50 split of females in our company and females on our exec team, which it wasn't like we were trying to do that, but I, I've been very open about being inclusive. So I think that's super helpful. And uh, you know, just getting the word out. I, I also think in the education system, with uh, honestly with COVID, you start at, you know, look at the elementary school level, they've had to adopt technology in the classroom more so than they did before. And just being exposed to smart boards and doing Zoom calls, you know, all genders, right? I think it will hopefully make it more commonplace that this is, you know, this is for everybody and level the playing field. So I'm encouraged. I just hope we, we get there a little faster. Thank you for that. I agree with you. And I love the fact, even when Heather mentioned that the job that she has now didn't really exist 20 some years ago. And so it's, women like you that are setting the tone that are creating these new jobs. 
Heather, do you want to talk a little bit more about what you feel could be done to encourage women in STEM? Yeah, I think the I think the biggest thing is is visibility, doing things like this, um, and getting in front of young women and women of all ages. Really, there you know, there's plenty of women that are further along in their careers that would do a fantastic job working in tech. One story I like to tell—it's not really about tech, but it's really more about women in male-dominated fields—is that when I was um, when I was working at GCU, there was a we built a new building, and the fire department had to come um, inspect it. And so the fire department pulled up to the building. And I was walking and uh, there was a group of three girls standing there just kind of watching what was going on. And the fire, the firefighters got off the truck and I overheard one of the girls ask her friends if women could be firefighters. And these were 19, 20 year old women. So I, it, to me, that says that we're still not doing a good enough job showing young women that these jobs, these roles that have traditionally been male dominated are, are easily accessible to them. Um, so I think that for them to see people who are doing things that they didn't know they could do, that's what sort of opens their eyes to that, that um, this is a possibility, this is something that you can do. But then also sharing your your story. You know, yeah, I, I came from a very poor family in a very rural, you know, small town in Wisconsin. It, you know, it wasn't like I had a ton of resources around me, but sharing your story of how you got to where you are um, so that people know that like, okay, maybe this is something that I could, that I could do. Absolutely, I agree. Representation definitely matters. Um, Yvonne, I'd like to hear from you. What are, we, what are your thoughts? I completely agree with what Alexia and Heather brought up today. But at the same time, I think we have a responsibility because uh, we have done it and we have made it an attack environment. And I think we have that responsibility that now that we're in a leadership role, we need to empower other women to actually do the same. And I think the way that we're doing this panel and how we are communicating it and making sure that people is aware that there's a future for them here, that there's careers for them. And the sooner we start, the better, because we need to make sure that STEM, um, science, technology, uh, engineering, math are part of our day-to-day lives for our kids, that they see that is cool, that is awesome, that is something that they should learn about it, that is something that everybody can be part of it, and that we need that all the time in our everyday lives, and when we go to a girl and they say, is it okay for you to be an engineer or to be a physicist or a chemist? We got to be able to say, absolutely. That's what you need to do because we need more and more and more representation in fields like this, because that's the only way that we're going to change it. The more uh, of us that we take the challenge and we take charge and make sure that we set up that path that is not as complicated as and difficult as it was for us to start in a very male-dominated environment. A question about that. Um, We've heard a lot over the last uh, year plus uh, after the George George Floyd incident about uh, institutional bias and uh, how corporations and uh, organizations our bias uh, against black and brown people. Though that's true about gender too. Uh, Heather sort of alluded to that in the, in the fireman example. Um, 
if you could tell us about experiences you've had where you have found uh, bias in the workplace, uh, you don't have to mention any companies, of course, but and then how you over uh, how you overcame that because. I think, um, you know, we still have an environment that uh, is male dominated in many careers and uh, there's a lot of work to do. Um, What can uh, women who have experienced that, who uh, have experience with it, how have they overcome it? How have you overcome it? Uh, Let's start with uh, Heather. I have a I have a story. Um, I won't name any companies, um, but I've been trying to get into this company for a while. And. I was at a wedding and um, one of the guys who works on the team was friends with my boyfriend at the time. And he didn't know that I was applying for jobs at this, at this company. And so when we were at the wedding and, you know, he was probably having a little bit too much alcohol and he was probably saying stuff he wouldn't have normally said. Um, but he was talking about, and like, again, I did not even mention that I was trying to get into this company. And he was, he was talking about to my boyfriend about how they do not hire women on their team because they're worried about sexual harassment lawsuits. To which I was just completely shocked. I was I was completely dumbfounded. I I really honestly didn't know what to say. I, I didn't say anything. And I I think about that experience a lot and that, you know, I should have said something. I should have brought it up. But you know, when I, I like to share that story though for other for other young women that maybe they don't feel like they have enough confidence yet. This this happened, I was, I was, you know, this was probably 15 years ago. So I was be a little younger and didn't have quite as much confidence to like speak up for myself and say, and say something. So I just try to, you know, share those kind of stories so that when that kind of stuff happens, that to don't be afraid to, to stand up for yourself and, and speak up and say, Hey, like just call people out on their, on their, on their, on their unconscious bias. Um, I, I really think that that's, that's the best way is to just, you know, just one at a time as you're encountering these things, just point it out and just say, Hey, like, just so you know, this is this is a this is probably not the best way to to be thinking about these kinds of things. Alexi, what about you? Well, there's a number of stories. Um, I think a consistent theme that happens, unfortunately, um, I, I uh, we do have VCs, you know, and we I do go to a lot of um, tech summits of CEOs of technology companies, and I think without with maybe one exception, I'm the only female in the room, and I've had other CEOs of tech companies come to me assuming. I am an assistant to one of the venture capitalists or I organize the event and they're asking me if they can get more coffee or more wine. And I don't pull back. And I, I just call them out on it, as Heather said. Um, you know, I'm just like, why do you assume that I'm working here? I'm actually, you know, co-founder and the CEO of a successful tech company. Who are you? And then oftentimes at these roundtables, they have a guest speaker and I'm the first one to speak up. I feel like I'm asking the harder questions. Um, and they're maybe there to kind of socialize a bit more. I don't know, but I think you just have to show them that we can do this and, and they don't make those mistakes. I would say too, um, I became a mom late in life and I would hear stories kind of with the boys club, um, not so late as Heather shared, but maybe they're not going to hire women because they're worried they're going to start a family. You know, oh, they're at that age, they're going to get married. You know, am I going to invest in this executive or, or, or nurture and mentor them? And uh, it wasn't until I had my own child, right after I started digital airstrike, I realized, and I just want to classify this as working parents, because I think it is shifting the burden of some of the responsibilities. But working moms, man, we get stuff done. Like, I love hiring working moms right now. You have to be hyper-organized 
And that translates into your work life for sure. I, that's a superpower. So the more we can talk about some of these things and also as needed, give your team and employees in tech or any industry more of an ability. If you happen to be female, if you are a mom, if you're juggling, uh, more support. So for example, right now it's hard with kids going back to summer camps. There's limitations on in-class you know, capacity. And so we're actually looking to subsidize um, summer camps and some after-school care near our office for all parents, not just female execs or, or, or employees, just to kind of make their life a bit easier. You know, if something, if the kids got the sniffles, you can run out and, and take care of them when you're right there. Just be mindful of all working parents, but it does tend to feel like there's still that bias with females in the workforce. So I want to, I want to eliminate that because man, we get, we get stuff done. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I'm hoping for one day we don't need podcasts like this. Right. You know, I, I'm hoping at some point it's not who's the female leader or female in tech you admire. It, I want that question to be as ridiculous as who's the redheaded exec you admire or who's the blonde exec you admire. So ridiculous. And that goes the same for race. I just think in this day and age, the sooner we can get there, just it's so commonplace. It, I can't wait for it to be a ridiculous question, but it is still out there. Absolutely. Avon, anything uh, to add? Any uh, stories or how you've overcome some of these challenges? Sadly, but true. I have been asked as well if I am the, the admin if I am there to help, if I help to plan um, the event. And I think it is really sad that we pretty much share that story and that we all have it in common. I think one of the things that it helped me um, overcome that situation, instead of getting mad, I, I learned how to use it to my advantage and I pretty much had my elevator speech about so no actually I am the program manager I am the program director and I have been with the company for this long so uh, help me understand what is your role about here or what are we doing how can I help you and you can tell that it changed completely the perception and you can see that apologetic face of I shouldn't have said that. Uh, and I think that helps that the next time that they're going to go ask, are you coordinating the event or just carrying their papers for them or presentation, they, they think about it and they take into consideration kind of everybody that is in the room. And I think we have worked, especially at Reagan, to make a more inclusive culture that we can all share from our experiences and what we bring to the table. And sometimes when I see that I am the only woman in the room, but suddenly another one shows up, I think I have the responsibility to make sure that that younger generation, and I know we shouldn't say younger, is that next female that is in the room walks in feel comfortable to speak up so if everybody's kind of talking and they don't give them an opportunity to do that it was like so what about you would you like uh, to make a comment because I think by now I don't have that hesitation I remember that I wanted to go sit in the back chair and stay there quiet that nobody would notice that I am the only one and after I got more emboldened and comfortable I was like no I'm gonna sit on the table and if I have something to say, I am going to speak up. And 
I'll be careful what I'm going to say because uh, I think we have, there's certain biases that they have that we like to talk too much or that we do this or that we do that. And it was, how can I prove myself over and over and not getting frustrated about it, just to learn how to do it quicker and faster? Well, uh, I just want to say, well, we definitely still have a long way to go to reach uh, gender equity. We have come a long way. I just heard on NPR this week, I had never heard this before, that it was common practice in the 1800s in America that if a uh, wife became too bold and too brazen, that their husband would put them in an insane asylum. And it was uh, nothing they could do about it. And uh, it was common practice. And there was a story about a woman who who got in an insane asylum and most of the other people there were women who had got, gone through the same experience. So we have come a long way from that, but a very long way to go. I, I have found you really have to be intentional. Um, uh, my goal, by the way, uh, about a third of my board of directors are women. And my goal, and, and uh, Carla knows this, is um, before I leave uh, this position that I have uh, gender equity on my board. and. I am only focused on finding women for my board at this point. I'm being absolutely intentional about it. And uh, well, some companies replace people and, uh, you know, maybe a, a male. I'm only looking for um, female leaders uh, to join my board. And I think that's what we have to do uh, and to achieve the kind of goal we all hope to achieve. Carla, I'll turn it back to you. Thanks, Steve. And I can definitely attest to that. I think the, the environment, both, both with the board and with our staff, has been very welcoming. As being the first female vice president in Southern Arizona, I can definitely attest that that is something, uh, a mission that Steve has put in place and, and is actively participating in. Um, all of you had said things and, and had certain keywords that I could probably spend another hour on. Alexi, you talked about the need for childcare, and there is a significant I think it was 78% of the, the women lost their chi adequate childcare during the pandemic because of the limitations. You talked about, um, Yvonne, you talked about advocacy and being able to support yourself and then bringing others along the way. I, I'm incredibly impressed by all that you have said and, and the mission and the vision that you all have as individuals and leadership. Um, what I'd like to know is how can companies better promote the, the importance of female leadership in evolving in the digital workforce and economy. What can we do better? What can we do as individuals again? And what can we do as a general society to advance women in leadership? Any of you, please, if you want to jump in. I can jump in. I did want to comment on what Steve said. I think it's fantastic to be intentional about bringing in women. Um, aside from just wanting to have more gender equality, it's, it's just smart business. Just like you need all different players on a baseball team, right? Half our population are women to be building any tech or any business without that POV at the table. You're not going to hit the mark with all the individuals you're building that tech for if you don't have a more well-rounded point of view and skill set. And that, that goes the same for race, right? Equality. It just makes good business sense. So I think the more that you also reference that and talk about, there are differences sometimes genders can bring in terms of skill sets or the way our brains work. And it's all good. One isn't necessarily better than the other, but how do we bring them together? That is really, really important. And then just being open about, you know, the childcare example. Um, I do think 
certainly not in every relationship, not in every situation, but the burden of some of those things do fall on the women. It just, it's, it's kind of a more natural thing. And so the more you can be open and create well-rounded benefit packages or opportunities to address what any individual in your company needs, because again, there's differences, right? Back to my original point, you're not going to even have maybe people at the table to think of that if it's all men. <laughs> and maybe their wives don't work. It wouldn't even occur to them. It's not that they don't want to maybe help with childcare, but in their personal situation, they've got that bias. So again, just bring, I love what Steve said about bringing more women to the table at all levels uh, and being intentional about it really because it's good business. But then you'll get that well, more rounded point of view to even think of those things. Um, and we are pretty different. We, we, like I said, half our exec team are women. Uh, our COO is a female. So we're, we're still trying to bring in, you know, our, our head of HR is a male, <laughs> which isn't normally how it goes. So we're really trying to be more equal in our approach, which helps our business grow. For me, it, um, I think back to my own experience and wanting to get into leadership. I knew that I wanted to get into a leadership position. I sought out people that I felt like they were doing the things that I wanted to learn how to do and form relationships with them and, and learn from them, whether it was a boss, whether it was a supervisor, um, it didn't matter who it was. I just, I, I, thought, I just went out and looked for people that were doing the things that I wanted to do and just try to you know, learn as much as I could. I think nowadays with things like YouTube and podcasts and stuff, you can consume so much stuff from some of the people that, that you sort of look up to, um, but it's important to actually take action then on the things that you're learning from them. But I think that you know, as, as I got into leadership positions, I started recognizing people, both men and women, that would be fantastic leaders. They'd be fantastic leaders in, a, in an organization, but it never dawned on them. It never, like they just, it never occurred to them that maybe they do have the skills to be able to, to be able to lead a team, to be able to lead a, a large project, things like that. So I think that, you know, com companies everywhere, both men and women, if you've identified somebody that you really think has some leadership capabilities, um, tell them that and say, hey, did you ever think about doing this? If you have an open position, approach them and say, hey, did you ever think about maybe applying for this? I think you might be a good fit for it. But then as you sort as you start moving up the career ladder, you know, it's important to, you know, uh, they always say that you have to send the elevator back down for, for women coming up behind you. Um, but do, but do, doing the same thing. So as if you've identified people on your team or on other teams and say, you've got some skills here. You've got some qualities here. Let's, let's, let's get you some training. Let's get you some mentoring. Let's get you some of these things, some of these experiences to help bring out your leadership qualities and, and so that you can get some of these leadership positions and in, in companies, you know, really worldwide. So the only thing that I will add from my perspective, perspective, it is that we need to tackle the unconscious biases that they're out there. The little comments, the, the little things that we do that people feel uncomfortable about it. One of the things that I actually, I do, and especially I do at work, is to share my experience. Because not only I am a female, I'm a Hispanic female. And I think that there's a lot of bias there. And most of the people that they have not personally experience it, they don't know what it is that they're doing to others. And they don't know how it gets perceived and how it affects them. And I think if 
we share our experiences and how that made us feel and how we should not do that and how we should change it. And so somebody else doesn't need to go through that. Uh, I think it will be important because people will feel empowered and they will be more willing to continue to share and the culture of that place will change and everybody, if you feel comfortable and if you're having fun and you can bring that diverse set of ideas to the table, innovation will flourish. And if we're in a technology field, we need innovation to be part of it. And for it to be part of our DNA, we need to have a diverse workforce. And that diverse workforce, you got to feel that they're valued, that it's not that they're less just because they're a different gender or because they need to take time because they're going to the soccer game or um, that I needed to go pick up the kid from daycare that I knew that my son was the last one that it was always been picked up because I had a full-time career at the same time and sometimes I was hesitant and I was afraid to say they're charging me $20 a minute every time that I am late. But I didn't want it to say, I have to go because I'm the one picking the kid. And say, no, I, just excuse me. I just need to go take a call or something else. And then I was like, I'm not being fair to myself. I just got to say, I got to go pick up the kid. So it's not the last one that is left in school. So I think I agree with you 100%. I think that cultural confidence needs to be integrated in every single organization's strategic planning um, and in, in encouraging that self-advocacy, uh, looking at all employees from a holistic, humanistic approach where we all are different. We all have different needs and different um, things that are pulling us in different directions and our family should be as important as the work that we do. Uh, Steve, did you have any other questions? Yeah, I, I was just going to uh, ask whether uh, any of you have ever had um, role models, uh, uh, female role models, either you know a mentor, someone that you knew well, uh, a former um, employer or boss, or a nationally known woman or internationally known that, that you lucked up and sort of aspired to be, and it, whether that was important in your development. So if I can start, uh, I had one that was fascinating. And so I came out of engineering school, but it was only a few uh, females. And I came to work for uh, Hughes Missile Systems um, at that point. And I was not accustomed to see a lot of women in leadership positions. And when I got to Hughes, Luis Francis Gunny was the president of the company. And she was so personable and it was somebody that it was motivating. And I was completely in awe because there was where we had a female that it was running the biggest muscle maker in the world. I got opportunities to be in the same room with her and she didn't come from a technology field. She was not an engineer. She came from finance. And people will try to use that against her. And she has the confidence, the knowledge, and the ability to communicate where we wanted to go and what we needed to get done that people will be like, oh, okay. And I was like, you see, we can do this. And I think that's my role model. And it still is because I haven't 
seen that that often, and I would love to see more uh, Louis Franciscanians around. That's a great example. Are there the other two of you had role models? For me, I've had I've had a lot, and it's it's probably more like personal people that I've known throughout my life that have just been maybe a little bit further along in life than I have been. So they've got a little bit more life experience and they're really been that kind of a person that I can really just bounce stuff that happens to you, things that just frustrate you and you just bounce it across them. And especially women who have experience working in a male dominated field, it doesn't matter if it's tech or, or whatever it is. Um, some of the, the, the things that happen, the things that occur are across the board. So, you know, I've, I've just had a, a, a handful of some women in my life that have just really been a person that I can go to. They've been people that I can go to to just be, vent about things, get their perspective on it. Um, oftentimes they'll share um, experience, similar experiences that they've had. That's been a, a, a big help for me. When I was a little kid, you know, looking up to some of the, the women astronauts that were coming up in the, in the 80s, I really looked up to them. It was, it, to me, it made it seem possible that, you know, that, that women can do this. You know, I'm not going to be an astronaut, but, you know, I can, um, there, it, there's really nothing stopping you from, from doing whatever it is that you wanted to do. And, and to see, to see young, to see women as becoming astronauts as I was, you know, four or five years old, um, that really did have an impression on me and, 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 and just really made me show that, you know, these kinds of, you can do these kinds of things. Very cool. Yeah, I would say for me, maybe I am the minority in the sense that um, I really didn't have any female leaders that I worked with or got to look up to, or maybe I'm in the majority. There just wasn't anybody. But I think I was fortunate in the sense that um, my father grew up with a lot of strong female sisters. I've had aunts and people that worked their whole careers when it wasn't normal to work and not even take time off from maternity leave in the 70s and 80s. So in my mind, it was never not an option. My father always supported me and it wasn't like anybody tried to channel me or push me into a, a path that wouldn't allow me to succeed in male-dominated industries. Um, I've also, I think in hindsight, found some male mentors that they must've just had in some ways strong females in their family or even daughters that were very driven and they sort of took me under their wing. To them, they were gender blind. You know, they they... They never thought why I couldn't. There's one example of a leader that I, I used to work with. And when our company was growing here in the Valley, Digital Strike, and um, at some point you get questions like, should we bring in someone that's done this before? Should we go find a CEO that's run tech companies and would help Alexi get to this next level? I actually reached out to somebody that was a, a former boss of mine, an amazing person in finance. And he's like, well, why don't you do it? Why are they trying to find someone else which was sort of code for an, an older male to come run your company that you started, you know, and just sometimes having anybody, regardless of gender, you could reach out to. And, and that does stick in my mind where I'm like, yeah, why am I allowing this discussion even to be a thing? So finding your voice and it, sometimes it does take a little bit of time and confidence, but, um, you know, male role models are out there too for us. I've uh, been fortunate to get to meet and uh, know Richard Branson a little bit. You know, somebody like that, you learn his history and what he had to overcome and being dyslexic and, and what he's done. And now speaking of space travel, you know, Virgin Galactic and, you know, just find that role model wherever it is. Because for me, it was hard to find a female that I actually could, could know and that was doing what I wanted to do in technology. That's fantastic. Well, I can assure you that the three of you will become 
somebody else's inspiration and somebody else's that's listening to this uh, podcast and that's going to be able to watch this on our website, um, you will become the inspiration that they needed to be able to have that self-advocacy, that, that assurance and that security. Um, we're about a few minutes before the end of our program, but I want to give you all an opportunity for last minute thoughts in general, what inspires, um, what inspires you all, what inspires women to join uh, the tech sector? I always say that, you know, especially when I'm talking to, to young kids, is to become a creator of technology versus a consumer of technology. The tech industry is 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 designing the future; it's creating the future, um, and so being a part of that is is very exciting. There's always something to learn. You'll never be bored. Um, it's an exciting industry. It's, it's an exciting time to be in this industry. I would agree. Um, and congratulations to Yvonne. Mentioned her her son is graduating and following in her footsteps. I've got a son, and I think it's not just mentoring the little girls; it's the boys too. To see mom can do this, and and my son is already coding you know, software and he's only 10. And to him, it's normal to see a mother that's an executive in tech, right? And the more you can mentor all of the genders and all of the kids, that next generation hopefully will will not be as gender biased and just think of it as, well, why wouldn't I work with or hire or also follow a female mentor, even if they're a little boy? So I think that's important as well. Yes. I think what we do, it, it really do matters and we can make a difference. And I think it's just a call to be part of that change and to make sure that they actually get to have a cool job like we all do over here and we can share our experiences. So thank you for having us. I think this was a a great opportunity and I hope that we can make a difference and there's that little girl that is listening and you will be curious about being in a science and technology career. So if we do at least one of them, I will be so excited. By the way, <laughs> by the way, my little girl who's 26 now is in tech and uh, my son is in aerospace and defense uh, and he followed in his dad's footsteps. So it's always <laughs> rewarding when that happens. So congratulations, Siobhan, on that. Thank you. Congratulations to all of you, and thank you all so much for joining us this afternoon. It has been a privilege and a, and a pleasure to join you all and to hear from you all and to hear how you will inspire the next generation of women in STEM. Thank you all so much. You've been listening to AZ TechCast, brought to you by Phoenix Business Radio with Business Radio X. Today's AZ TechCast was brought to you by the Arizona Commerce Authority, the state's leading economic development organization, with a streamlined mission to grow and strengthen Arizona's economy. Thank you to our, I'm sorry, Arizona Commerce Authority. Um, and many thanks to JDH Insights, the 2021 Tech Advocate Sponsor. Visit jdhinsights.com to enhance leadership and improve team dynamics to take your business to the next level. If you're interested in being a podcast participant or sponsor for the Council's AZ TechCast, contact marketing at aztechcouncil.org to lock in your opportunity for further position uh, yourself as a tech expert, expert, influencer, and innovator. Thank you all so much. Have a wonderful afternoon.